Hello and welcome to Choosing an Agency. My name's Alex, founder of Search Agency Climbing Trees, and I'm here to talk about how to select the right agency to grow your business. So today I'm joined by Phil Blackmore at Creative Health. Hi, Phil. Hi, how you doing, Alex? Yeah, good, thank you. So for those that are meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit more about who you are and what you do? So yeah, I uh, own a business called Create Health, which is a, a pure healthcare agency in the advertising and marketing space. Um, and um, yeah, we specialize in strategy and creative for just about any kind of business involved in health, um, which is a really, really interesting space uh, and means I get to kind of geek out on all the cool stuff that's being invented and add, uh, add the magic of some creative with it as well. So yeah, thoroughly love what I do. Um, and outside of that, um, yeah, proud dad of two and a uh, big Lego enthusiast as well. Ah, I know all about Lego. And so when did you first start working in agencies, Phil? Uh, many, many moons ago um, when things like direct mail were cool. Um, so, yeah, I started in London about 20 years ago, um, left the Shire of Devon in search of excitement and danger. And I found that in advertising. Uh, it was a complete industry that I didn't really know existed. And I, I fell in love with it instantly. Um, uh-huh. The idea of solving problems creatively and, and helping brands kind of communicate was just something I really found absolutely fascinating. Um, so yeah, I kind of cut my teeth for 10 years in a variety of kind of big network agencies. Um, and then I think, yeah, looked for probably a, a better work-life balance and, and a bit more kind of, um, yeah, outdoors time. So uh, looked to move back towards uh, Devon. Uh, my wife is from Wales, so uh-huh. Bristol was the, was the perfect location for us. Um, and yeah, been here for 10 years. Again, running it in a different, in a couple of different agencies, and then about seven years ago, took the plunge to, to start properly building something of my own, which, um, yeah, is create health and something that's, uh, yeah, taken a lot longer to build than I anticipated, but um, has been a, a really rewarding journey so far. And what is the sort of stuff that you do on a day-to-day basis, Phil? <laughs> well, as you know, uh, running a business. Um, no one tells you this, but there's a lot of things you have to try and cover, isn't there? A lot of hats you have to wear. So. Um, I won't list everything that I do um, in terms of the stuff that I, I, I love doing. Um, first and foremost, it's it's overseeing uh, my team in the studio. It's made up of some really amazingly talented individuals and, and it is an absolute joy to brief them and see what they come up with creatively and the craft that they put in. So, yeah, primarily I'm overseeing what they're doing and making sure what we're delivering for clients is meeting their objectives, um, both from a marketing and a business point of view pushing craft so that we can really try and evidence the power of creativity and the difference it can make. Um, you know, obviously we all judge with our eyes. So how something looks really does matter in the advertising world. Um, so that's kind of the, the kind of day to day part. And then obviously on top of that, there is the strategic direction for the business, the overseeing of the finances, the marketing, the sales, the pipeline, um, and, uh, yeah, also heading up also the cultural side of the business and making sure that we're, we're creating a business that people absolutely love working at and feel very fulfilled at. That's right. And I saw something that you released in terms of your approach to staffing and healthcare internally as well. That looked absolutely amazing. Yeah, that was it was called Create Health and Happiness. And it was a bit of a journey. I think, you know, it started the pandemic. Uh, business was going really well. And obviously, then it took a, a bit of a a turn for, for not the worst, but certainly we weren't going to be building like we thought we were going to be. It was more about getting, you know, protecting ourselves and getting through it. Uh, so there were loads of things that I wanted to do um, to make it, you know, a great place to work. And we just weren't in a position to do it. So kind of coming out the back of the pandemic and being in a really good place uh, as a business meant that we were able to finally unveil kind of our 29 initiatives and perks that we give all of our staff to 
retain the talent that we've got, but also give us a point of difference to recruit the very best into the business as we scale moving forward. Yeah, I was really, really impressed by some of that work that you did. Yeah, well, it was great fun to do. And actually, it was really, it was a really good exercise for the soul, for, for myself and my partner, uh, Ed, to, to really sit down and go, what is it we're building? And what is it we want to be? What's the legacy we're trying to leave behind us? And I think, you know, for me personally, staff coming and enjoying working, feeling fulfilled and feeling valued is, is kind of like the holy grail, really. I mean, if, if people love coming to work, they're going to do their very best for us. And as I said, I'm just not into all of this kind of, you know, bigger corporate kind of, you know, people are expendable use my I want to make sure we're investing in, in, in people and really uh, building on them so that they themselves just as a career have uh, have that, that 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 great journey that I've had so far with the people that took the time to invest in me absolutely I think it is that thing it's about you know in the future people looking back on their careers and thinking that they were looked after the best at when they were at our companies yeah absolutely I mean you know as I'm sure you've had in your career you know we've all had those those senior figures and those bosses that inspired us and took us under their wing we've also had those others running businesses where you've gone I just don't get why you'd run a business this way so I think you know you can learn as much from either type you know the bad bosses versus the good ones and certainly for me I'm trying to remember all the great stuff that I got taught and make sure that I'm bringing it into the business absolutely and so to get a feel for who you are Phil if you can invite four people past or present to email who would that be um that's a great question and one that actually I spent quite a bit of time thinking about because there are so many people <laughs> that I would love to have dinner with. I often watch things and think, God, it'd be cool to be their friend or wouldn't it be amazing to kind of get to get to know them. Um, I opted mainly for people of present, actually. Um, and uh, yeah, there's, there's a chap called Rick Lewis, who I saw on the High Performance podcast and he just blew my mind and I've followed him ever since. Um, thought he was just amazing and his, his views on culture. Uh, you've got to have Sir David Attenborough. I mean, the man has seen so many things and I couldn't agree more with all of his stance on what we need to do for, for the planet moving forward. Uh, I think Kate Winslet is, is an, um, an amazing actress uh, and a, a phenomenal businesswoman as well. And I th- again, think she's probably just got such a rich past. that would be fascinating to, to hear about. And um, so I'd love to meet. What, what sort of stuff does she do in business? Well, I think more the kind of the side, like with lots of these actors and actresses, they have their own production sides. You know, they they're involved in the writing. They do so much more than just kind of act. You know, yeah, yeah. so many of them are involved in in production as well, um, and obviously looking after the next generation. I think you know the likes of of of, uh, of Kate and um, Gillian Anderson are doing a huge amount of work to make sure the next wave of people are, are being looked for and standing up for that equality that we need as well. Absolutely. And I think something that Kate Winslet does is she's an attractive woman, but some of the characters she's played are not always like really glamorous and looking magnificent. They're quite sort of day to day. And I think that um, society puts a lot of pressure on women to look like look amazing. There's like the Instagramization of life or something um, where there's a lot of pressure put on women. And so I know that just like in some of her things, she just got like wears like a ordinary sort of raincoat, no makeup, hair not done, pair of old spectacles. And I think yeah. she's quite good in terms of being that sort of tier of celebrity, but not actually bowing to the pressure of, having to look as society expects it to. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the variety of roles she's taken are incredible and her ability, I mean, uh, well, so many of their abilities where I don't know how they're able to pick up the accents and genuinely convince you that they're from deep South Texas or wherever it might be. I just, as I said, the, the to be able to go from aristocratic, you know, 
high society and 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 right and right the other way i just i think is an amazing skill to be able to genuinely understand the subject matter and then convince you that they're they're of that so yeah as i said i think she's she's incredible and and rupaul i just think would be i watched his masterclass and yeah his upbringing how everything in life kind of kind of pushed him in the direction he was going in i just yeah i think he uh, i think yeah he would just be yeah just incredible to to meet um you know i think again you can learn so much from from meeting so many different people um and i think that's the key thing for me i i would i'd love to have a table of 12 to be honest with you and just have lots of really big open conversations from people from all walks of life i once got asked this question in a job interview probably about 25 yeah. years ago i can't remember what my answers were but thinking about it they probably weren't what they could have been well, that's always a thing, isn't it? It's one of those things, isn't it? Like I said, I, I, when you asked me this, I was like, "Gosh, there's loads of people I'd like to meet." Um, I can only pick four, so yeah, it was quite, quite tough. But yeah, I think they'd be a really interesting group because you've got you've got planet business, um, acting. Uh, yeah, as I said, you've got a bit of everything, really, haven't you? In terms of yeah, I, I think it'd be a very interesting conversation. Perfect. So, on the, the professional side of things, yes. What project or piece of work are you most proud of, Phil? Uh, tough one. Um, there's lots of stuff that I'm tremendously proud of uh, that I've personally done and also, more importantly, what my team have done since I've kind of been a more kind of senior figure. Um, I think probably the thing I'm most proud of uh, currently is an initiative that we set up about two or three years ago called Healthy Young Minds. Um, and the thinking behind it was that there are so many societal ecological there's so many things that we need to focus on and fix and i think often we look to adults to fix things and i think we have a tendency to overthink and complicate things um whereas actually the innocence of of the way that a, a child often approaches a problem you know they see a problem and they figure out a solution they're not thinking about can we afford it does that thing even exist they're just like well that's the problem so this is how we could fix it and i find that that thinking really refreshing and interesting. So Healthy Young Minds is an initiative where we work with schools and once a year we brief them on a whole series of of topics, be it Alzheimer's, uh, air pollution, you know, anything like that. How do we protect the seabeds, all those sorts of things. And we ask them to come up with inventions um, and they can be as wild and wacky or as straight. It's entirely up to them. And it's, it's really getting them to fuse the idea of, of science, art, maths, all the STEM subjects, but really make sure that they're thinking in a creative fashion. And then we get uh, people from industry to judge them and then obviously award prizes. And it's been something that's been so rewarding because I've seen some absolutely breathtaking ideas. And what's been even nicer is to see ideas that, you know, when you've got people from James Dyson Foundation judging uh, as an example, and they're going, we're actually working on something like this at the moment, or a robotics lab saying, we've got this in production. And it's just amazing to think that someone at the age of sort of five or seven is thinking like someone in their kind of their, their late 30s, 40s. And I think there's just, there's a lot that both sides can learn from that. Absolutely. And there seems to be in this country, in education, the process where that ability to think, um, like artistically or creatively is almost like beaten out of you and it's just ground out of you where you just have to conform to a times table approach to life where everything's just quite formulaic and structured and you just have to sort of fit in 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's really tough for schools. They, they obviously are trying to give you such a broad grounding in so many subjects. But I, I think my frustration is always that, and I get this with a lot of the clients as well, that they just think that if you are artistic, that means that you're very good at drawing or painting. Um, and that's what they think art is. Whereas, you know, creativity exists in all facets of life. It's what makes us human. And I think I'm blown away on a daily basis when I, I get to the privilege of talking to a lot of the scientists and people behind the inventions that I'm marketing, where they explain how they solve the problem. And it's just as creative as what I might do with my team, but it's just a different type of creativity. It's a different expression. And I just want, I, I said, I have dreams of this, have a healthy young minds being a, a really big thing one day with a, a really glitzy award ceremony where maybe Anton Decker presenting it, you know, that kind of, kind of scale is where I'd love to get to it eventually. But if we can just get more kids to stick with STEM subjects and to think more creatively and, and not have that beaten out of them. I think that's, that's something I'd be very proud of. Awesome. Anton Decay. Yeah, I, I, I've got a bit of, I've just, I watched them on Biker Grove back in the day. I've always had a bit of a soft spot for them. <laughs> so we're here today. So the primary thing about talking about today is um, about helping clients to select the right agency for their challenge. And so part of that whole process is briefing agencies. What are some of the, fa- the best sort of factors that you've seen included in the best briefs that you've seen? Yeah, I mean, picking an agency is such a, a pivotal thing, I think, for, um, for companies. And obviously, we've seen a huge trend of, of, of companies taking the creativity and the marketing in-house. Um, and it makes a lot of sense, you know, in terms of the perceived value that you can have of having a team that you already pay for on tap 24-7. Um, I think for me, uh, it's all about transparency. Um, you know, the best the best kind of RFPs and all of that that we've worked on have been where it's a really clear view of what exactly it is you want to know about us and vice versa. And I think it's so, so important that there is a clarity around what the expectation is of the agency that you're looking to recruit. What is it you really want them to do? Because, you know, I've been involved in, in processes where they, they're wanting an agency to be a bit of everything. And, I, you know, the reality is every agency has its strengths um, and I think they should play to those and I think the danger is when you have an agency that's claiming they can be brilliant at everything because there will be stuff that they are amazing at but there'll be other things that they're quite average at and my view is that actually it's better to get a collection of agencies that are all really good at their thing and stitch them together rather than necessarily relying on one big agency to be able to do it all so for me it is that clarity of of what it is you're, you're looking for what is the services you actually want um, how you you're planning on working with that that kind of uh, you know business you know what are the, the the kind of the structures in place to make sure that communication is there what's the type of budgets and time expectations um, you know and what does success look like again I think if you if you know what the the company is hoping to get from working with you you can make sure that you align on that and as I said put your hands up and say what well, we can't deliver maybe that but our kpi version would be this and if you're comfortable with that we can absolutely hit that absolutely and i think it is having that clarity and your point about um full service versus specialism is a really interesting one so we always we know we know what we're not good at as an agency but we have very deep expertise in what we are exceptional at and that's what we focus on and anything that's outside of that purview we don't sort of try and turn our hand to we just start we, we you know we have a you know as i'm sure you do a broad network of people that you can then recommend to clients or they can go out and source other options elsewhere yeah well i think you know 
gone on the date of you know the Mad Men era where you could uh, you know charge a ridiculous amount of money and, and and make a lot of profit in the production side of things. You know clients are tremendously savvy and rightly so. They're spending lots of money and they need to demonstrate a return. So you know the whole reason we're a specialist health agency is because it's a subject that we love. It's a subject that we're passionate about. It's one that we believe we can genuinely affect change in through our, the power of our creativity, and and that's where our value is. And we know that, and we're very comfortable with that. So strategy and creative is what we do. Um, we think digitally, but if you want something built and hosted and maintained, then we'll introduce you to any one of our, our fantastic partners who we would absolutely class as an extension of our business. But for me, you've got to, as a business, be able to demonstrate your value. And that's when you get a great relationship, because if you can deliver on what you've promised, guess what? The client will come back for more. And, you know, we've worked really hard to, to, to build the relationships we have with clients. You know, some of them we've had in the business for six years. And they're using us as much as they always have because they know they'll get the goods from us because they know what we're good at. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if a client's looking to select agencies, like very often they'll like have a sort of whole pitch process they go through. What advice would you give to clients about managing that process? The, the kind of the pitch process is a really interesting one. Um, and there's, there's obviously been a lot of debate about agencies shouldn't pitch and, you know, have a no pitch mentality. And I think, as much as I applaud it on the one hand, because it's an expensive process to go through for a business and you're not guaranteed to get any returns. The reality is just how, how things work. So I think the advice I, uh, you know, first and foremost would be if you're going to invite businesses to tender, it would be not to have too many. Um, I've, I've remembered pitches in the past where, you know, we've been one of 18 agencies that they've asked to come and pitch. And, you know, you, when you work out what your odds are of winning, guess what? There's not much point going for it because when you think of the time and investment that it's going to cost um, you as a business, you know, you've got to be pretty bolted on that you think you stand a chance of winning. Um, which and if you multiply that cost for your agency across 18 yeah. agencies, it's a phenomenal sort of industry expenditure, isn't it? Oh, I mean, it's, it, uh, you know, in all honesty, it's very hard, I think, for most creative businesses to pitch and not rack up at least 10k's worth of, of cost because the time that you need to invest to make sure you put your best foot forward and get your head around a brief is it you know it can't just be done overnight so um best advice from from my point of view would be to be very selective in terms of who you want to take forward to pitch by all means go out and talk to loads of agencies but then genuinely put down a short list of a much smaller group of businesses that you think are the right fit so i think having that kind of qualification and, and meeting time beforehand is really important um and then i think in terms of the pitch itself um it's trying to make sure that you are you are genuinely being being fair so again we get a lot of pitches where there's an incumbent involved um, often the pitches are really about giving them a bit of a, a kick or and trying to glean some fresh ideas. That's not really in the spirit of fairness. And if you're, you're not really planning on moving over to another agency because you're slightly risk averse, then it's not really in the spirit of what it should be about. So for me, I, I kind of think pitches shouldn't really include an incumbent. I think it should be um, fresh agencies that are all brought into the mix um, and, and judged on their, their ability. Um, and I think, you know, one of the other key things is is making sure what it is you want to see at pitch. 
again, an agency can go off and do loads of stuff, but be really targeted with what you want to test them on. You know, is it their strategy? Is it their creative thinking? Is it the processes or is it more the people? Do you want to make sure that you're meeting the actual people that will run, work on your business um, if you were to award it to the agency? And more often than not, it should be about the people, I think, because you've got to get that sense of trust that I can work with you. Um, and finally, be really clear what your budget is, you know. Um, I've pitched for things in the past where I was told it was a huge budget. And then when we've won the work, the budget has gone down by about 70%, um, which, which is why, you know, we have, I mean, we have a qualification process for about 35 questions and scorecards and we don't go after anything until we're really happy that we've ruled out all the reasons why we shouldn't go for it. And we, we've got a, a clear view of, of why it's a worthwhile thing to go for. Yeah, and that whole budgeting question is really important because there's certain projects which we would be a really good fit for, but there's ones that are going to be beyond our capabilities as an agency, and then ones, on the other hand, that are just going to be too small for us. And so to be very, very clear about that at the outset, you can find that um, area in the middle where you're going to be able to make an impact for the budget that a client has. Yeah. And, and, you know, agency, I mean, budget is so, so important because you can come back with something relevant. But I do appreciate that over the years, agencies probably haven't done themselves any favours by a client saying, my budget is 100,000, you know, and you rocking up with a budget that's a penny shy of that. You know, I mean, the reality is, I think there is a fear a lot of the times that if a client tells you what their budget is, you're going to come in exactly on that budget because you're going to land grab money, uh, which isn't the case, which is why something that I think uh, agencies should do but also clients should look for is um, we price things in three tiers so we always do kind of almost a, a gold silver bronze it's not to do with the quality of work you're going to get it's just more the the amount of, of stuff you're going to get so we will we'll come on with a budget that is in line with what we think you must do and then we'll have two others that are stretching and pushing you further and it doesn't mean you have to have that money available right away but it's more about that longer term view of once the first phase is done, what could we do next? And I think that's always a really good good barometer for clients because it just means that, again, someone is genuinely thinking about longer term. If we win this project, what could that mean and how could we support? And we do a very, very similar thing where sometimes we'll have a client where they'll be have the confidence based on pre-existing campaigns that are structured or whatever to go at the sort of top tier of what we're proposing but sometimes we'll have the starting point and then we'll try and move them through the gears based on performance. And something that I always try and say to the team here is that um, we get paid to do our job, but then what we need to do is to then over-service and come up with ideas that will drive incremental growth above and beyond just that basics. Because we're just doing what we're paid for. That's the basic. We need to come up with more and generate other ideas because it's that thinking that will differentiate us in a quite competitive marketplace. Absolutely. And to be honest with you, it, I mean, that's where any agency's really real value is. It's the thinking, you know, um, when it comes to the actual production of things, arguably it's all, it's all pretty um, much for muchness. It's the thinking that's crucial. So if clients are looking at agencies and trying to build that sort of candidate list, what are the signs that an agency is either a good or a bad fit for a client? In many ways, I mean, a client, I mean, an agency is, it's all about reputation, isn't it? You know, I've often believed that you're only as good as the last piece of work that, you, that you've done. And, um, you know, if that hasn't quite gone as well as you'd hoped, you've got to work pretty hard on the next piece to, to make sure the client still very much sees you as that partner and has that value. But in terms of that initial kind of, you know, you're looking for a new agency. I mean, I think um, you should look at agencies um, and, you know, first and foremost, look at the website and have a really good look at the work they've done and get a sense of, 
do is the work they're doing does it excite you um first and foremost is it um does it feel relevant do you feel like you've got a good you know have they got a good handle on your sector um you know it's always going to be weird if you are you know a healthcare agent uh, a healthcare um business or a tech business and you go and pick an agency that's never worked in that space i mean you know you're going to have to get them up to speed tremendously quickly um and invest a lot of time and you're not going to know if you're going to get the goods back so yeah i would always look for people that clearly have experience in your space um i think you know another big thing is looking at what the values are of that business um you know again you can see all the staff um you know go and have a look at how long they've worked at that business you know um have a look at the the mixture of those people as well the diversity in terms of you know gender age etc and um yeah look at their socials and just get a real sense of you know what do they stand for and do you get a good feel from them um i mean for me working with an agency should be exciting um it should be fun um and if you aren't getting a buzz from just looking at what you think they're about before you've met them then they're probably not right for you um obviously awards and stuff like that can also massively help build up an agency's kind of perceived reputation and again that's something you probably need to consider as well in terms of looking at the awards and obviously the the, the information at companies house and and on credit agencies you know you want to make sure that the business i think is not only looking fabulous from the outside but if you actually look behind the, the you know the you know the closed door are they you know are, have they got a good credit score have they got you know are they are they respectful in business i think is is also tremendously important absolutely and it was interesting you mentioned fun that clients should feel excited and agents should be fun we are i've got one client that i've had for 11 years and he refers to me as his it guy yeah so <laughs> it's very charming he doesn't particularly you know he thinks that what we do is part of uh, the IT sort of thing. He doesn't phone me up and ask me when he's got a problem with his computer. Um, and so I think sometimes in what we do, it can be it's very um, numbers-based and sort of it's quite analytical and data-driven, and that can be quite a dry sort of conversation to have. So to bring a sense of fun and irreverence to that is something that I try and encourage with the team. And I think that's where you can develop that chemistry with a client in a quiet and um, to make the whole experience pleasurable rather than just like, with all due respect to accountants, like sitting down with an accountant and going through your tax return or something like that. It's quite, it's like, you know, root canal treatment would be more fun than that, <laughs> I'd posit. Yeah, absolutely. And again, you know, if I think about certainly the last couple of years and, and kind of the whole Zoom and screen fatigue that so many people have got, I mean, most of the clients that I talk to on a daily basis, bless them, are they are from beginning of the morning to late at night, just back to back meetings. And that must be exhausting. So my view is that the the hour or whatever time they've got booked in with Create Health should be one they genuinely look forward to because it's gonna be it's gonna be valuable. We're gonna get through what we need to, but actually it's also gonna be done in a much more kind of fun and entertaining way that you know, it's about connection, isn't it? Relationships. You wanna make sure that on that human level, everyone's just kind of feeling like, yeah, this is good. You know, I enjoy working with you and, you know, you do great stuff, but you also, you know, you are, as we were saying earlier, you're not putting on a facade. You're actually just being you and, you know, making some jokes and just really trying to ensure that there is that connection. um, So on the connection side of things, then you mentioned earlier about values. What does your client do to, so you you often go into offices and there'll be some picture of like a waterfall with a fantastically long word that's left um, meant to move you or something like that. How can the client understand values of an agency and to work out how they fit into an agency's approach? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think 
you know, you mentioned at the beginning about create health and happiness. I mean, we've always been very open in our credentials about the values that or, that we set and hold ourselves to um, in this business. And, you know, things like create health and happiness are just an extension of that even more so. And I think agencies, you know, there are loads of incredible agencies um, out there and loads of agencies that are doing amazing things, not just in terms of the work they do for the clients, but amazing things for the way that they, um, you know, they treat their, their, their staff and, and the things that they're building. And I, I often think we do a really good job of marketing for our clients and a terrible job of marketing ourselves. And it's obviously because it's not paid for when you're working on your own business, is it? So it's always kind of the poor relation as it were. Um, but I think agencies just need to be much better at sticking out what it is they stand for and what they believe in. And, you know, they've all got them. They've all got the presentations. They just often forget to tell people about them. And I think the more they share with that, you know, it just helps people get a real understanding of who they are and what they stand for. Um, I think also it's really important, and there's been lots of discussion on this recently, particularly kind of after COP26 with regards to this. It's really easy to have these purposeful lines and these these buzzwords, etc. But if they're not genuinely joined up to the core strategy and, and running of a business, any business now, they're never going to be lived and breathed. And I think, you know, there's just no point having vacuous terms. You know, you need to you need to build something that is fundamentally centered around what it is you believe as a business Absolutely. it has to ladder so, back it has, it has to, ladder. to yeah um and it doesn't often have to sound as fancy as people think it can be as as simple as uh yeah it can be just really simple it just needs to be something that's true and authentic um you know and i mean we've got a, a fancy living wall with a neon sign in our new office that has our core belief that is that creativity is the cure you know in all facets of life if you're trying to solve a problem you need to think creatively about how you solve that. And, you know, certainly for us in healthcare, which is obviously what we work in, every time we've been able to, to, to really show what creativity can do, the results that have come back for the client have been absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, they have that hallelujah moment of that's what they've been talking about. And it's lovely when you see that because then they want more um, and you can genuinely show how you, you're delivering value and affecting change. Perfect. So, Phil, are there any red flags that a client should look out for when speaking to agencies? I mean, there will be, absolutely. Uh, and I can't really speak on behalf of what other agencies might do. I mean, I think for me, uh, the key thing for, for any client looking um, to, to kind of give their business to, to an agency is to, as I've said before, make sure they're speaking to the people that are going to work on their business. Um, again, it's very common, I think, for you to end up with a, a kind of an A team for the pitch where all the big guns and the CEO right the way down tip up for a meeting and they, you know, they blow you away with obviously their experience and, and what have you. Um, and then obviously once the business is won, you know, the, the cheaper juniors are often stuck on these things. And I just don't think that's right. Um, for me, you know, the team that pitch for the work should be the team that end up working on the account. And again, as I said, for it's a really simple thing, our world, isn't it? It's all about trust and relationships and, you know, once you've established that and built that, you can you can build further and get more because there is that sense of, of knowing that where each other stands. So for me, if you are talking to an agency and you're not really talking to the account handler or the creative that's going to be actually working on your project, you want to be asking to, to meet them as well because they're probably the people that you'll interact with on a daily basis as opposed to the big senior figures that probably won't be on it. And, you know, equally, if you are, not getting that time with seniors, I'd also be concerned because, again, that's where so much of the value is because 
as fantastic as the younger talent often is, they haven't got that 20 years worth of experience where they know how to instinctively react to things. So, you need, I mean, for me, a client needs a mix of, of all ages, you know, so that you're getting a really full uh, and rounded kind of, of picture and view of the world and the best work possible. Absolutely. And there needs to be a, because if you meet a really slick salesperson in the pre uh, working with an agency phase, and then there's a disconnect between suddenly being thrown into working with a team who you've not met, who you then have to then re-explain everything you've already gone through that maybe has been miscommunicated or not clearly communicated. And so to have the account team brought in at, at some stage, you actually meet them face-to-face and you can actually work out whether there will be some rapport with them and you can connect with them and whether you can get on with them, whether you speak a sort of similar language is really important, isn't it? It is. And, you know, and another thing for me, I think, and again, everyone's process and view on this will be different, but, you know, when you think about the pre-work that's done by procurement and what have you to shortlist agencies, et cetera, they've already done a fair amount of homework on you to get you on a list. So again, I think if an agency is tipping up to present to you and they're spending a, a vast amount of the meeting talking about themselves, that's also something to be very mindful of because they're probably more worried about their own reputation and what they're going to get out of it rather than doing the best possible job. You know, for me, it's taken years to get to this place, but you know, our, in our, our creds and our opening presentation, you know, we cover our entire, what you need to know about us in about four slides, four or five slides. And they're very light touch. It's kind of very centered around what we believe and what we, what our value is. And then the rest of the time, you know, that takes minutes to go through the rest of the time then is all about the client and what, we think their challenges are and how we think we can help them and for me you know that's that's the sign of what's going to be a good relationship because it's not about me it's about you and I think you know that's that's really really important. Absolutely and we do a very very similar thing whereby the majority of a meeting at that early stage will be talking about impact that we can make on a client's business and their market and their challenges and how we can help solve them. Absolutely yeah. So, Phil, what are some of the coolest things that you've done on a pitch? Uh, do you mean in terms of the way that we've pitched it or just the experience itself? Anything. So it could be you know, how you've pitched it. With, and this is that my behind the um, four people you'd invite to a dinner party question. This is turning out to be one of the, you know, it's up there with the second best question. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, thinking back over over the over the 20 years, I mean, there's been been lots of uh, fantastic pitches and obviously some that also have been pretty horrendous to work on as well. Um, you know, thinking fondly of the ones which for me really uh, have stuck out. I mean, you know, one of the agencies I worked at, we always used to make a, um, we used to make a proper film um, that we'd show at the beginning of the pitch. And, you know, I remember we did one for, um, uh, for, for breast cancer. And again, we got everyone, like body painted up and, and what have you. And, and we, you know, we got everyone in the business involved in producing a film and, and, and talking about all the people that were affected in our lives and, and what have you. And, you know, it was a really emotional piece, actually. It was one that everyone loved doing. And when we played that to the, uh, to, to the charity, you know, I remember the feedback they gave us when we won it was, yeah, to be honest with you, you won it as soon as you'd finished playing the film because you just had come across as being so invested. But it was one of those things where it was just really, yeah, Every, it got the whole agency together and galvanised us all. And it also, again, just got everyone talking about things that they'd been through and health and the importance of it, et cetera. So that was, that was wicked. Um, I've been in other pitches where we've, we've actually, 
you know, hired actors to play a role and help bring something to life, which has also been cool. Uh, we've mocked up oh billboards, goodness. you know, you know, we've had things mocked up and then taken a client to it and shown it in, in, in real life. And they've gone, you know, it just helps them imagine it. Um, so they're kind of the bigger things which have, have been uh, lots of fun um, and, and amazing to do. Um, and then in terms of just the general experience, I mean, um, there's nothing cooler than, you know, to be honest with you, getting to, to I've, I've had the privilege of traveling to lots of, uh, you know, f- uh, other countries and cities to go and, and meet uh, the clients, see their where they live, see the amazing facilities they've got in terms of where they make and invent and just being immersed in that and then actually pitching whilst you're kind of, there's robotic arms behind you building stuff is also just, they're things that you you don't imagine you would ever get to do, but when you do, it's just, they just they make it worthwhile don't they in terms of you know when someone says cr what did you do last week and you tell them it's just lovely to have that excitement and variety that i think we get as working in agency world wow that definitely beats some of the cool stuff that we have done with really radical calculations on the percentages we could potentially save or grow something so yeah i mean to be honest obviously we're all about creative so it's all about the uh the big reveal as it were um but uh yeah as i said i, I think there's Again, the pitch process, anything you can do to stand out is, is, is so, so key. And one of the things that we've got to do less of recently, but, um, you know, I think is tremendously important is I, uh, I remember we won one client and um, we'd been waiting in reception and we'd made a point of, you know, as we always do, just chatting very nicely to, um, to the people on reception and what have you. And it was really interesting because the account that we won, um, the CEO actually, after everyone had pitched, they went and spoke to the receptionist and said, right, we want your take on the four companies we've just met. And it was really interesting because, you know, we were put forward by them as, oh, they seem like genuinely lovely people. And they, you know, took the time to talk to us. They were really interesting. And I I think a huge bit of advice I'd give to agencies is, um, yeah, make a point of genuinely respecting everyone and making an effort with everyone because I think, that says so much about you as, as your character and the values that you have. Absolutely. The best, and um, I don't know where I've heard this story from. I can't remember which agency it was. And I think it was Network Rail were pitching their business. And they turned mm-hmm. up to this agency to have a presentation. They were kept waiting in reception. It was all untidy, magazines everywhere, coffee cups, cigarette butts on the floor. It just like, looked really horrible. Oh. They started complaining. And there was at the point they started complaining. They said, that is the experience that you give your customers we're going to show you now how we're going to help you solve that, sort that out. Oh, wow. So, I know, I know, very bold. I wouldn't be able to do it. I'd sort of go into that. Sort of. <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a win or lose situation, isn't it? It's going to go one or two ways. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I think it was, you know, many years ago, the likes of St. Luke's, and, and I know this is a common thing for lots of, of businesses now and brands, but, you know, they used to actually build, you know, if they were going to advertise, you know, a brand and and you know for shoes or something they'd actually build a mock shoe shop and and just really try and understand how it is to be in that environment and i always thought you know those kind of brand rooms as they were defined it was such a uh, such a bloody brilliant idea because there's that's when you really get to understand how product or marketing and, and how people behave in that space and that's where you i think again if you genuinely understand that kind of, of stuff that's where the insight comes from that drives that great creativity so what are the agencies that you really admire in your space? Uh, there's plenty of them. Um, I think for me, uh, the likes of Langland are incredible and always have been creatively. I mean, they got bought out a while ago. Um, but yeah, certainly prior to that, the, the work that they were, they were doing was just, 
you know, there's a reason they've won as many awards and won everything that there is to win because the work that they did, that they put out there was just so beautifully thought through and the craft was there to match. So I think they're amazing. Um, the likes of KVA, I think, do amazing work as well. Um, but I also think culturally they're head and shoulders above so many other agencies because they genuinely are, you know, they have this Kindness Works uh, initiative, which it really is all about, yeah, building that talent, recruiting that talent, but also making sure they absolutely look after those people and treat them as people and, and not as just employees. It's all about that. And I think they do a great job as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, again, I look at, I look at bigger businesses, you know, the likes of McCann health and, and people like that area 23, they do some, some incredible stuff. Um, and I could only dream of, of the budgets they, they get to, to work with sometimes. And, yeah, I, th- I think they do some some absolutely brilliant work. Um, I think with McCann, certainly McCann Health, one of the things that I admire about them is because of their genuine global footprint, they do a, a load of work that is, you know, really trying to wear, raise awareness of maybe the the forgotten illnesses and people that are struggling. Um, and so they do a lot of work in the charity space. And I think it's great to see that they do that because they are taking a responsibility to make sure that because they can, because they've got the budgets and the size and the scale that they are putting a spotlight on other things as well, which I think is, is very admirable. Absolutely. Absolutely. This has been great. Where can people find out more about you online, Phil? Uh, so um, I'm all over LinkedIn. Um, and I'm pleased to say that I managed to bag uh, the Phil Blackmore uh, name before someone else did. There are a few of us as an extreme juggler from Britain's Got Talent. Don't confuse me with him. Uh, I am rubbish at juggling. That was my next question. Was it? Yeah, I'm, I can't juggle chainsaws. I'm quite good at juggling lots of projects. But um, yeah, so all over LinkedIn. Uh, and then obviously, uh, createhealth.com is where you can find out about us and what we stand for. Perfect. Thanks ever so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Alex. It's been really good to talk. 